The Mandela Effect. Just what is this all about? Is this about a reality, possibly for the masses, that is constantly warping and wefting, ebbing and flowing, and literally shifting the past as we know it? Is this about our brain's ability to process information one way at a certain point in time and another well into the future? Or is this just about false memory? Today's guest, Cynthia Sue Larson, and I have discussed the Mandela Effect at great length before, but it seems that with every passing day, new information comes to light about what we may just be dealing with. Cynthia and I discuss this in connection with what is known as retrocausality, the idea that cause does not always have to precede effect, and some of the exciting discoveries within the quantum field that are supporting this theory. This conversation was so much fun to have and so exciting when we consider the possibilities and the clues that may eventually lead us to understand the true nature of reality. It is always a pleasure to welcome back someone who I greatly respect and love dearly. And that's my longtime friend, colleague, and extraordinary researcher in quantum reality, also known as a quantum optimist, Ms. Cynthia Sue Larson. Cynthia, welcome, my dear. Welcome back. Thank you, Alexis. So glad always to be with you. Oh, and the pleasure is always mine. And just so you know, journeyers, we have been, as soon as we, before we got on the air, of course, we spent a little time catching up. And we started out our conversation with not words, but what? Laughter. We just started yes. giggling. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we love to do. As serious as we can be, I just love to laugh. And my buddy, Cynthia, who I call Cindy, it's so nice to laugh. It's so full of life. So it's it's an absolute pleasure and a treat to have you here. Well, listen, you know, every time I check in with you, my friend, to find out what's new and exciting in your world, you, without fail, manage to dig up more juicy, revelatory, paradigm-changing stuff in our world like no one else I know. You know, I love your phrase that I know you live by, and that's simply... How good can it get? How good can it get? And based on what you're discovering, things are getting very good and very exciting. So with that, today, I would like to discuss your more recent focus on how causality can run both forward and backward from a quantum perspective. This is a term that I'm somewhat familiar with. And uh, really, the, the term retro causality is one that I'm, I'm more used to using, which is simply the idea that where cause and effect do exist, they don't necessarily run in a linear way, where an effect can precede its cause in time, so that a later event in time affects an earlier event. And I hope that hasn't twisted everybody, everybody up. But <laughs> I, you know, I, I know this may be mind boggling to some, but this is a, a classical reality busting paradigm that many like you have come to realize is what's happening in the quantum world. Cynthia, could you elaborate a bit on this? And then I'd like to take this to some examples in the macro world or real life experiences or real life examples, I should say. Oh, gosh, yes, uh, absolutely. I, what I'd like to do is just start with the idea that if you if you ever, you can shake your hands, you know, just grab one with the other and just do a little strange little handshake there. <laughs> because this illustrates the transactional interpretation of quantum physics first and most clearly and lucidly presented by physicist John Kramer, who's still alive today, one of our great uh, quantum theorists. And in his interpretation of quantum physics, he basically proposes that change occurs 
in the universe and in reality when a sending wave and a receiving wave meet and greet, kind of shake hands like this, and agree that a choice is being made for change. And so that's, you can think of it like one hand is coming backward from the future back to the past, and the other hand is extending forward from the past to the future. They come together in this present moment now, and uh, there is a definite exchange going on. The reason that there's this whole interpretation that you can read the book actually by John Kramer if you like physics you want to read deeper and that stuff doesn't put you to sleep it's all about the transactional interpretation he's he would be the go-to source um, but that's kind of technical except for grabbing one hand and shaking it with the other I like to do stuff like that because then you get a feeling like this is real I can mm-hmm. imagine this Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that's kind of in a nutshell, a very high level flyby. Right. Well, I, I definitely I'd like to get into some of the more um, real life examples of this because I know they do exist. But I let, let's start with this. You you recently published a blog on your wonderful website, realityshifters.com. I love it. And this article is called Quantum Supremacy, Quantum Time and Quantum Rules, in which you quoted physicists, uh, David Jennings and Matthew Let's see if we get this right. Leifer or Leifer, depending on where you are on the planet. Matthew Leifer, we'll say. Uh, in their paper that they co-authored, published in 2015, entitled No Return to Classical Reality, where they yes. said, quote, we now have a range of precise statements showing that whatever the ultimate laws of nature are, they cannot, cannot be classical. What are some of those statements they're talking about, Cynthia? They're talking about some of uh, what Albert Einstein called spooky action at a distance, for example. I think most people have heard of that phrase. And if not, it's referring to the fact that there's an entanglement, that um, particles are in cahoots with one another. (laughs) (laughs) That's an interesting way of putting it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And so if they... (laughs) They're 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 conspirers. (laughs) (laughs) But in a good way, the best possible way, because this is, in fact, is what we see in nature when starlings fly together in a flock. All of the birds turn instantly together, just like a quantum uh, fluid. And what we notice in quantum physics is that when it comes to entanglement and coherence, these are properties that um, previously people did not expect to see showing in, for example, flocks of starlings. Um, It was expected that this bizarre behavior really only belonged to the very, very small realm of microscopic, teeny tiny little quantum particles that were the indivisible building blocks of matter. And so these material realists were really uh, believing, and they had the bias that this classical view of reality was indeed the universal set, that that was that you could look at the entire universe logically according to Boolean true-false logic. You could test things objectively without the observer having any effect whatsoever on the experiment, and so on and so forth. What we're finding out is that's absolutely not the truth, and absolutely the observer does make a difference, and it, it can even make a difference in time. So there could be delayed choice experiments that have been originally thought experiments, now they've been proven to be true, where someone in the future can make a choice as to what happened, and that turns out their observation in the future affects the past. Mm. That, yeah, that's where it gets juicy. Can I just ask one quick question? I've got a lot of questions, but this one question is, as the observer, Cynthia, are we part of what's getting entangled as well? Oh, yes. I, I believe we are. And 
and this gets into the heart of this this whole Mandela effect phenomenon and how so many people are wondering now, like, why are things changing? <laughs> like, you know, we'll talk about that later, I guess. But yeah, yeah. it's it's totally, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. The fact that we're involved in it, yes. Right. Well, you know, this idea of causality, which is defined simply as the relationship between cause and effect, this leaves a lot of room for what's being considered here. In fact, I know you know, I believe you know personally, Amit Goswami. Do you know him? I've met him, but um, I, it's not like a close friend. I'm closer but friends with uh, Fred Allen Fred Wolf. Fred Allen Wolf, who did the forward to the book. This is what I want to talk about. His uh, yes. Goswami's 1993 book, The Self-Aware Universe. He references in that book, Cynthia, this idea of causality by referencing uh, a famous experiment conducted by Elaine Aspect. I believe it was in 1982. I, re I read this long ago in which causality was looked at within the context of non-locality. And he writes, quote, this experiment and the concept of non-locality have allowed some people to hope that somehow a violation of causality, the idea that cause always precedes effect is involved. Not necessarily, he says. And then he goes on to say what aspects experiment, as well as Bell's uh, theorem, imply is not a violation of causality, but that simultaneously occurring events in our space-time world can be related meaningfully to a common cause that resides in a non-local realm outside of space and time. This common cause is the act of non-local collapse by consciousness. That was a long quote. But the last statement, I think, is probably the most important. The common cause is the act of non-local collapse by consciousness. So the question is this, Cynthia, in, in looking at this as the bottom line, is what is being implied here that we as conscious creatures have the ability to shift the trajectory of causality within, uh, or with purpose and intention? Can we do that? We do. And it often usually happens on a subconscious level. This is why I believe that we see so many examples right now of macroscopic quantum phenomena in mm. the natural world, because it's so natural. It's something that I, I believe all of all of reality, as we know it, life as it currently exists, as we know it, um, has a huge debt um, to, you know, to acknowledge or to, you know, to really recognize that everything that's needed can be so. So we, therefore, we see in a single generation, an organism is capable of, of spontaneously making some evolutionary leap to, for example, if bacteria is being grown in a Petri dish of um, lactose food, so it's based on milk products, and this bacteria cannot digest lactose Within one generation, it's going to die if it doesn't eat that stuff, but it's capable, miraculously, of evolving instantly to a form that's capable of digesting the food that was given to it by the scientists, this lactose, um, you know, nutrient auger solution that's kind of at the bottom of the Petri dish. I guess so this kind of, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so this this is a huge concept. It's such a, when we look at our lives, we're not bacteria in a Petri dish, obviously, but we often notice that um, something when we really, really need it, and it's serious, it's urgent, and there's a growing need for it. And miraculously, it seems like very often is the case, things will will happen in our favor. And it, it's to the point that people like you and I, Alexis, I think we can start taking that leap of faith and recognizing, you know, we can depend on living this way. Not, mm -hmm. We can walk our talk, and I know I live this way, which is a little, it was shocking to my family. <laughs> it, it, totally, you know, they were concerned about me. But then they came to recognize like, well, she's living that way. And then in times of their need, 
then they come to often, you know, ask me, like, can you help <laughs> with right. whatever? Yeah. This so. is still a difficult concept for people to get their arms around. I mean, we are so, uh, so marred, I think, in a linear framework it, it, with everything that we do from watching the clock to just watching ourselves age to, you know, writing from left to right, at least in our part of the world. So shaking ourselves of this, uh, at least consciously, can be difficult. And yet... You know, what comes to mind is synchronicity and the fact that so many people, it seems, are having more synchronicity in their lives these days. How does all of this relate, what we're talking about, what I'm going to call retro causality, to synchronicity? What are the common threads here? Okay, well, this the idea of time is one that we've taken for granted for so long. It can be a challenge to even recognize and wrap a mind around what is meant by retrocausality or bicausality or this handshake that we were doing earlier. And the, I, one way that I like to look at it is if there's something that you now need to be true, such as um, we see this with some spontaneous remissions. Mm, yes. uh, like my grandmother had inoperable liver cancer, and she... She didn't want to ruin our holidays. It was Thanksgiving and Christmas, so she waited to tell everybody after the holidays that she had three months to live. Mm. Um, so that was the news that we got. And basically, everybody loved my grandmother so much. She was mm. such a sweet person. So in my my world, um, I, I know I'm not unusual in being you know of the mindset like, no, she can't be dying in three months. That's not acceptable. And so... When you think about the effect that all hundreds of people, she was so beloved in her church community, within my our little tiny um, nuclear family, mm -hmm. and then all of her friends. And so what happened next is that she in experienced a spontaneous remission of the inoperable liver cancer that was extremely extensive. And there were MRI scans, blood tests, tissue samples, you name it. The physical evidence to suggest that that diagnosis was correct was overwhelming. And so that would that really made it shocking for my engineer father, who just whispered to me at one point, "I have the X-rays." <laughs> you know, it's mm. kind of like, like I don't get this. And I said, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> but um, what happened was complete spontaneous remission. But again, she was. I, I think what happened is 300 people plus all felt like, "No, Neva cannot die. That's not acceptable." We need her for more than the next three months. <laughs> Isn't that something? There's something yeah. to be said for being vehement, you know, whether it's vehement denial, some might say it's vehement denial, or just uh, vehemence in general. And I, I always come back, Cynthia, to the role that emotion uh, in these sorts of things can play. Emotion almost acts as a carrier wave to me somehow. Yes. Um, but I'm, I'm digressing too much. I, you know, I want to really get back to this idea of retrocausality and the the idea whether on a micro subatomic level or a macro level that we can i i would always say not it's not that we can change the past from the point of the future but perhaps the effects that would normally succeed the cause from a point of the future does that make any sense can we do that consciously Yes, and another example of healing is when a friend of mine called and she'd broken her leg and she was starting a new job. And I tell this story in my book, Quantum Jump, so I'll just keep it real short. Mm. But but the thing that was shocking um, is the retrocausal nature of that particular experience. Not only uh, as I was talking to her did she notice her leg was itching, it was feeling better. I said, oh, itching is good. That, mm. that usually indicates healing. 
And then she hangs up and um, come to find out she, she was fine. Her leg was working great. She went in for a checkup and uh, what, it was just so weird because there was no more evidence whatsoever that she'd ever had a broken leg. And it was exactly as if our shared intention, like you can't have a broken leg when you start the new job and you don't have insurance and all this, and suddenly it's not broken. But she spent all this time with doctors at the hospital. That still happened. And it was confusing for the doctors. They weren't sure why she was there. Um, you know, it, it's just like super confusing situation. So in that case, the retrocausal nature of the healing occurred. It's very evident. And all that's left really is the memory that she had had that broken limb. And this this is something that people can witness um, on a large scale with these Mandela effects, actually, mm-hmm. as well. I do. I, I can tell you, speaking of itching, <laughs> you're itching to segue over to the Mandela effect. Well, you know, we talked about this. <laughs> we talked about this offline, too. And I was determined as I'm, I'm prepping for our show, I'm thinking, OK, I know that there is. Uh, something even more than tangential connection between this concept of causality and retro causality and the Mandela effect. So I don't know, maybe maybe we should go there because there's just a lot of stuff going on in the world of Mandela effects today, isn't there? It definitely is. And that's what people can usually relate to much more than my stories or my experiences. Because I know that um, some of the things that happen in my life might sound far fetched, not to you. But, you know, to a lot of people, they, they might think, well, that sort of thing never happens. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting a lot of people that are writing to me, Alexis, you won't believe this, but fill in the blank. There are a lot of oh, good. Previous, heretofore Glad anomalous or, you know, things that never happened uh, are happening. So I and I know the journeyers can relate because I, I hear from them all the time. So carry on. But let's not we're not we're not leaving the subject here. We're actually expanding upon it by talking about the Mandela effect. What what have you discovered recently, if anything? new, new dimensions as it relates to uh, the Mandela effect and what this is really all about. Well, uh, looking at quantum time, uh, this is what the um, same blog post you mentioned. I was I definitely included a link as well to the, the research that's showing that, um, you know, quantum, that time is operating both forward and backward, not just in the so-called quantum realm, but that line of demarcation is definitely blurring its end. It'll have to get pushed all the way back, I'm sure. So I mm. that shirt that I was wearing in the article that you saw mm-hmm. and in the video that I that I did, it says no no return to classical reality, yeah. because I really believe that's true. I believe that what we're seeing is that the universe is quantum at its core. Sure. It's consciousness based, and so that's what we're seeing. That that explains these recent research and laboratory results of. Uh, quantum time. So, getting into the Mandela effect and how it, um, what I've seen recently. Uh, the most recent report that I mentioned in the October issue of Reality Shifters has to do with Bob Newhart being alive yes, again. Yes, we talked about that alive again. Let, okay, so I'm going to put the question out before you go into it, journeyers out there. Show of hands, I'm sure I can see you somewhere. <laughs> how many of you? are certain that Bob Newhart, we're talking about a famous comedian, I think he was with, uh, was he with Carol Burnett at one point? Well, the Bob Newhart show, obviously, where he was with Suzanne Plachette, famous actor. How many of you feel that he has died? Show of hands, show me in your comments, obviously. Okay, we're not, I'm not going to answer that question. I'm going to let Cynthia tell you, is, is he alive or dead or alive again or dead again? Good. Love the question. <laughs> That's why I start the show by laughing. It's just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> 
he is alive uh, last time that we checked, which is right before we started the show. So yeah. hopefully he's still alive at the time it airs um, because he's such a good actor. And in fact, he won an Emmy for his appearance on The Big Bang Theory, where he um, his original appearance was so beloved that he came back and was on the show again. And then I guess they killed him off on the Big Bang Theory, or the the writers of the show did. I mean, no, I don't think he was murdered. <laughs> Hopefully not. I need to and now I need to go and watch all those episodes. But um, anyway, uh, people were feeling at the time that that the character that he was playing, Professor Proton, when that gentleman passed away on the show, and then some people subsequently re- recall that then the actor Bob Newhart also died shortly thereafter. And a lot of people remember just the outpouring of grief and the way the characters on the show came forward to express, um, you know, their admiration and respect for for Bob Newhart and feeling so sad that this had happened, hot on the heels of the character's death on the show. But ne- but now, apparently none of that ever happened, except for the death of a character. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. that's good. Hmm. <laughs> this never ceases to amaze me boy, does if, if you really want to move into a, a space of pondering and really trying to work out what is going on. Has, we have at this point on record, Cynthia, so many examples of the Mandela effect, obviously emanating from or being inspired by the earlier death of uh, uh, Nelson Mandela. We won't go into that now, but I, I'm sure many of you know the, the impetus for how this all started. So many different examples uh, and th- so many people who have cross-checked, I just know such and such happened, or I know this biblical phrase went this way, and invariably, me included, we'll go back to an old version of the Bible, and it will be different. Has anyone be- been able, This is. let's see how I can phrase this, has anyone been able to catch the Mandela effect in its lie? <laughs> I don't know if you know what I mean there, but in other words... It's like there's a glitch in the matrix of some sort. Is there any evidence to show where something has been shifted, I guess is what I want to say. Well, sure. Like you're talking about Bible changes and one that a lot of people are mentioning lately that even are it's familiar even to people that don't read the Bible regularly. And that would be the animal that lies down with the lamb. Yes. Yes, And this is a very big one for most people. So people listening can think, okay, what animal lies down with the lamb? The something shall lie down with the lamb. Mm-hmm. And, and there are stained glass windows even now to show this is the case, what, we, what some of us remember. <laughs> even though if you go and check, you may think you know, you may think you don't need to check your Bible. But just do us a favor and go check your Bible. And mm-hmm. <laughs> leave that in the comments. What are you finding? Okay, because that's so we're not going to reveal it here? Well, we could. Your choice. <laughs> no, actually, maybe, a, well, let's come back to that. Let's come back to that. We've covered that before, I think, on our last show. And lo and behold, as soon as I finished with you, I went and, and I've got quite a few versions of the Bible here, quite a few different uh, copies. Uh, my yes. mom and dad had left, and I, I cross-referenced two or three, and they all were the newer uh what we don't remember, let's just say. They're exactly. all, they're all, all without exception. And then I, invariably, I, I did the Google search and a lot of people are having this conversation, many of which, some of which I should say, were very devout in their faith and maybe even involved in the church 
they had to know scripture because they taught it in some cases. Absolutely. And were confounded by what they found. Okay, let's leave that one. Hmm. Here's another one. Okay, so we're just going to, this really excites me because it's just, this has got to be the biggest mind twister of all time. Just this, the whole idea of the Mandela effect. And that is, have you seen, a? now we're here in the States, obviously. So this is a commercial that's airing in the States. And it's a takeoff on Mirror, Mirror on the Wall, Snow White. I believe it's, um, oh, I don't know if, I, if I'm even allowed to mention the product, but it's a it's a parody where a woman is looking in the mirror and she's mimicking that famous phrase, which now we know as magic mirror on the wall. But she in the commercial says mirror mirror on the wall. Um, oh, do you know what I'm talking about? It's a new commercial. I don't think I've seen that one, but I've seen lots of other um, takes on that same thing. You know, you'll see it in print ads. I'm going to find so, it while while you're t- go ahead and talk a little bit more. I'm going to find that. I'm going to find that commercial yeah, because it's so important. This, right. This one is definitely uh, a case of reality residue showing up because so many people remember, like, like you do, like I do, that in the Disney animated movie, the character for the witch. Every time she talks to that mirror, she always starts with the same alliterative phrase, which is mirror, mirror on the wall. Mm-hmm. That's what I remember. Here we but go. now there's no version of that. Okay. Here it is. And I'm going to, let's just say it's a manufacturer of a faucet, a famous faucet um, that has this, it's, I think there's a 30 second and a 45 second version where the be- beautiful woman is, you know, she's in a, a bit vain and she's saying mirror, mirror on the wall. Oh, I've got to change my, I've got to get a new selfie. And she's using all new phraseology and and terms to talk about, you know, how beautiful she is. And it's about, it's advertising a product. But the point is, she doesn't say magic mirror. She says mirror, mirror. So even the producers of the commercial and perhaps the, the, the advertiser themselves recalled it as mirror, mirror. Why is that if it was never mirror, mirror? Do you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So even yeah. officialdom, <laughs> the official folks are saying, oh, no, it's mirror, mirror, not magic mirror. So something's Whoa. going on. <laughs> yes, that's well, my point. Well, a lot of people do remember the other realities. So, And I don't know why these things change. I mean, th- that this is where we get into what's going on. And I am not a conspiracy theorist. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that that's going on. I also don't think that we're false falsely remembering things or confabulating you know i don't believe in the false memory because i mean obviously we can misremember things but in some cases it doesn't make any sense and and i've had reality shifts which involve motor memory like i need to turn a knob a different way and it suddenly turns the other direction and it's extremely confusing so i've had reality shifts that are way beyond just false memory syndrome so and for most of us that experience like these, this on a daily basis, we would say this is not false memory. We know the difference. Um, but that's often a lot of people think that that could be happening. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and then some people say, well, it's a computer simulation. Well, that's where I was going to go next. You know, I can't resist that, looking at this in the context of a possible simulation or some variation of a simulation or holographic model, that reality is plastic, which I resonate with, Cynthia, it's because we um, we always resonate with our current cutting edge technology tools, it's just like we did when 
Isaac Newton was proposing that the universe is like a machine, and we had this mechanical universe with um, little planets that would mechanically, like a clockwork system, just go around the um, the sun and show, like, okay, this is how it all works together, like a machine. And now our cutting-edge technology, we're always going to do that. We're always going to say, oh, this is what it is, because it's a tool that helps us think, like, okay, it's like a hologram. We've seen holographic pictures. It's a simulation. We know that from computer games. So we're latching on to whatever our top rung of technology currently is. But you and I both know that the universe is much greater than whatever our top rung of our technology currently is. Mm -hmm. Therefore... That's why I can't park it there and say, oh, we're done. Because, you know, no, I obviously. Know. I know. <laughs> We've had this conversation before where we, I think we may have politely uh, agreed to slightly disagree in, in the focus, not the focus, but the, with that idea a little bit. I don't know. None, none of this is an open and shut case. This is all just, and it could very well be that because we and our consciousness are so integral to the reality that we're experiencing that as we think something is for that period of time, it is. Absolutely. It Whatever could you be. remember, it's emotion driven. It's from the subconscious, yeah. and it's especially what's serious, urgent, and growing. That's that's your need. You know, that's what you feel you need. That's real for you. That's not greed. It's need. You know. So this, a lot of people write to me and they want to bring someone back from the dead, and I understand that. Um, they 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 just wish they could have made a different decision in the past. Can we please bring back my 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 son, daughter, mother, father? husband, wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever. And I understand that. But the problem is um, it, it's some uh, several things are required to, to to witness this kind of a jump, you know, to be able to live in that simulation you're talking about. If you can even think of it that way. It's it's a model. You can think of it as a simulation. But the, here's the deal. To, to drive this simulation, you, you can't fake it. You actually have to have a genuine need mm-hmm. for this to occur. You also have to absolutely believe that it's possible. You have to overcome and override all of your self-doubt and get to a place of equanimity and personal spiritual balance and harmony that very few people work on. You have to you have to practice this, work it like a muscle. And most people don't do that level of meditation, you know, outside of hermits and spiritual masters to really get good at this. And they're the ones that aren't going to want to be doing it frivolously anyway. So That's right. So what you're saying is that it's, well, I mean, this is referenced, speaking of the Bible, it is referenced in that that great book, that the, the dead will be raised, or we can raise the dead. It can happen. It has happened. Yes. But only amongst the adepts that understand not just the secret words or the, the you know, it's, it's more than just a notion. It's literally a frequency that we must be inextricably linked to and aligned with. And I think we've all had some brushes with that absolute equilibrium, as brief as it may be, where the impossible manifests. And at that very balance point, you can actually know for yourself what's the difference between greed and need and for need. you. Mm, You'll get that. what you need, but you you know the greed not so much. Absolutely, I love that. I love say that again, not the greed. Yeah, when you attain that balance point that we're talking about. It might be a brief passing moment. It might be this epiphany that feels like you know everything in that one little moment. And in that balance point, you can and will and do know the difference for you between what is greed and what is need. And what you need, what you truly absolutely need, you will get. But what is greed, not so much. My grandmother used to have a saying, 
so simple. She'd say, what's for you, you will get. What's for you, you will get. And I would think, oh, that's just so, there's nothing deep about that. But it, 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 it's simple and profound. Nothing outside of what you need will come to you. Well, it could, but ultimately there, there will be perhaps some karmic lessons to learn from it. Well, the reason it works so. is when what happens is the person changes. So when you need something and you might think like, oh, I got better stuff than what I needed. I want you to really take a look at that, a nice, long, hard look and notice, um, did it change you in any way? You know, have you become a different person because of this gift that you think was much more than what you needed? I would, I would argue that in every case, yes, you have changed. And yes, you're a greater person than you were before. And because of that, there's a, there's a dance and a dynamic going on. It gets right to the heart of what you said earlier, that it's who we are that's so thickly and richly entangled with this entire Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. Wow. Can you give us a couple more Mandela effect examples? Let me, who have you been hearing from in terms of your audience and your readers? Uh, uh, can, can you name a couple of Mandela effects that they've brought to your attention? Yes, um, I just posted a video this morning on YouTube and a new blog post uh, j- because I wanted to show, you know, just five simple examples that are pretty much spread out. There are major categories of Mandela effects, and we mentioned one from movies. That's the mirror, mirror, and I, I do include that one. Uh, another huge category is physiological changes in our bodies. Talk about so, that, yeah. Okay, yeah, so... This one is interesting, and a lot of people in America, the United States of America, remember as young children, like I was a child in the 60s, we would uh, start each morning in class by saying the Pledge of Allegiance, and we would put our right hand over our heart. And if you remember doing that, just take a moment, remember, you could even do it. Where is that? Where do you put your hand? And it was understood that's pretty much correctly over your heart. I was skeptical. I thought, well, why would the heart be there? And then I researched it and found it. Oh, yes, the heart is on the left side of the chest. There mm-hmm. it used to be. Um, and if that's what you're thinking, too, great. Then you remember the same reality that I remember. Sure. But um, And in fact, you might remember uh, if you went to see the nurse, they take your blood pressure, usually with the left arm, because it was a more reliable measurement, because your heart was closer to the left arm. That's no longer true. You can check it yourself. Find out where the heart is now. Um, or I can tell if you want. Please do, because this is a new one for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, pretty much in the center, smack dab in the center of your chest. Okay. So now you can have your blood pressure taken reliably on your right arm or your left arm. They should be similar readings, equally accurate. And, um, you know, maybe there's a little bit more protection for the heart there. Not sure. Um, Some of the physiological changes seem like improvements. Another one is the kidneys, uh, which used, if you remember what a kidney punch is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've heard the term. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do martial arts, and it's understood that you don't punch someone in the kidneys or anywhere near, because some people might remember uh, um, the next symptom might be that they're bleeding, you know, when they urinate. Mm-hmm. So if they're urinating blood, then that, that it could be fatal. That, that's how dangerous it was. Mm-hmm. There's a much reduced risk of this happening now. You can still find evidence of the kidney punch. You can look it up and see what it is. But it doesn't really make sense anymore because now the kidneys have moved up, up, up under the safety of the rib cage. 
So although it's possible to do a kidney strike, it's not where you used to do a kidney punch. <laughs> it's a little bit up from there, okay. a little bit more protected. Yeah. This, this is a whole other level of Mandela effect, Cynthia, because now we're talking about the mutation of the physical body, the corporeal structure. What's happening here? This is different. The, to me, this is the way you're describing this. We're just talking about a, re a reconfiguration of the physical body. Yeah, it's affecting every human being on the planet simultaneously, as if it's always been true. Uh, what I believe we're witnessing is the way I believe evolution really works. Um, you know, we look at long-term changes, such as uh, we expect continental drift to take millennia. But some of us are noticing that some of the continents have moved rather abruptly in some of the positions between like North and South America. If you can visualize things and imagine in your head what that looks like, imagine the Panama Canal and the two land masses of North and South America. And then take a look at a current map and just see if it matches what you thought it was or if it looks a bit odd. And for many of us, it looks really odd. And so, you know, th these continents are drifting way faster than continental drift. Uh, lots of geographical changes are happening. Lots of physiological changes are happening. And we're even changing our position in the, um, the Milky Way and the universe. Mm, we're okay. no longer... Yeah, we're not in the Sagittarius arm. We appear to be in the Orion section of, of the universe. None of this is surprising to me, because when you think of, you know, the body of the planet and the planets, the solar system, as well as our own, they are meant to be in coherence, are they not? I mean, when we think of the uh, the Schumann resonance as an example, where the planet is uh, allegedly noted with its own, call it heartbeat, of about 7.8 hertz per second, I believe. And I hope my I hope my math is right or my, my information is correct. But also, at, at least at one point, our own heartbeat was at about the same rate. And then you find these these spikes or these fluctuations where the the, the hertz frequency has gone up exponentially with the planet, and as a result, ours at least is striving to meet that. Now, again, I hope those numbers are correct. These are the numbers that I recall. But what it's really saying is that we're all meant to be in resonance. So if one thing changes, everything else must follow suit. Right? Yeah. Well, I, sometimes there are pockets of, because uh, not everybody experiences exactly the same Mandela effects, which is another fascinating piece of this whole puzzle. So um, it, it brings us to a level of recognizing the importance of acceptance and respect for one another, that we can have our subjective experiences that might both be correct. So instead of true-false, we're getting into a quantum logic world where there can be true and false and not true, not yeah. false. But I remember the Schumann resonance exactly like you do. It, so without looking it up, I would say about 7.83. I don't know what it is now, but you're right. It's been spiking. It's been spiking. Yeah. Exponential jumps. Yes. Absolutely. That's that's somewhat controversial. I've talked to some colleagues that, that refute that and say that's not the case. You know, at least it's not, it has not, some, some have speculated that the Hertz frequency has gone up uh over double. So we're talking 16, 17 hertz. Uh, and I think some camps were saying that it's leveled off there where others are saying, no, there have just been very brief spikes. So nonetheless, there's some erratic behavior going on. But again, my point is, Cynthia, that whatever is happening, whatever shift is happening in one planetary body, the other, just like in quantum experiments, are showing that there's a mimicking, or at least a reach to try to 
mimic the other body, to fall into resonance, to get back into resonance. That's my point. So if you're seeing Mandela effects happening with the physiology of us, why wouldn't you see them being reflected in the planetary body and even the solar system? That was really my point. Yes, that makes sense. I I do see your point, and I I really like it. And one other thing about healing in general is that it's been a long known fact, uh, or at least it used to be within the shamanic energy healing circles, that if you could bring your body to match the resonance of the earth, you can be healed by the earth because Mm. it was noticed that um, it really does, it can be like an instant miraculous healing just to lie down on the earth herself and bask in that energy and and intend that that's washing through you and clearing whatever ailments you might have. Absolutely. That's fascinating. I'm just pausing there. I didn't mean to cut you off because, but I'm thinking that, yes, this is so true. I just had this conversation with someone else about how people have forgotten or they don't go to the earth anymore and give her their problems. And she's fully equipped to take them and transmute them. It's amazing. Yeah, we're not alone. Some people feel very isolated, but when you can get back into touch with earth, and recognize that that is our mother, that we come from the earth, um, then you never need to feel alone. And you can feel the great love that's there for all of us. I love you so much, Cynthia. And one, there's so many things that I love about you. And you have, speaking of equilibrium, such a balance of such brilliant science. You just know so much when it comes to that that aspect, the academia of, of all of what we're looking at here, but also understanding the the purest and most spiritually driven aspects of this. I just want to, I want to note that that's one of the things I've always loved about you. Such a balance. Oh, in thank that. you. Such a balance. Well, I see in that, that in you too. So I think we're soul sisters that way. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. It's neat to, to kind of look at both and to be able to extract the spiritual from the science and the science from the spiritual and maybe realize that there's no there's actually no difference at all so thank you for that speaking of the mandela oh, thing, we're, we're winding down because we're, we're doing slightly shorter slightly shorter uh shows these days because people like to move on and go on to other things perhaps you will leave this show and go back to all the other great shows cynthia and i have done together so we are going to wind down shortly but speaking of the mandela effect there's a big conference coming up in ketchum idaho Yes. First, oh tell my us gosh, about yes. it. You're involved, big time. Tell us about right. that. Right. This will be the first West Coast Mandela Effect Conference. There was a different conference on the East Coast last year, which I did not attend, but this one is going to be amazing because we'll have Christopher Anatra, who is the CEO of NECS and Entree Food Systems. He's the gentleman who is the quantum businessman, and he's been talking about how food changes are happening um, in the software that gets the groceries to your local store. And um, I think it's very brave of him to step forward as he's done and to really acknowledge that the Mandela effect is definitely affecting the computer systems that is in the databases that his clients are utilizing, as well as names of products like Haas Avocados and Stouffer's Stovetop Stuffing, which is no longer Stouffer's, and Haas is, is now Haas. So things are changing. He'll be talking about that. Um, I'll be the keynote speaker. I'm also giving a second talk the next day about the role that we can play 
um, noticing that the whole world is changing and instant changes can happen, then what can we do with this? Exactly. You know. Yeah, that's the big question. <laughs> what can we do with that? That's what I was Yeah, thinking. I'll be talking about that on Saturday. And, and then we've got some other fabulous presenters and panelists. The organizer of the conference uh, runs the Dark Wolf's Den YouTube channel. That's Jerry Hicks. And he's been doing a fabulous job putting this conference together. And then we've got Shane C. Robinson from Unbiased and On the Fence, one of my absolute favorite uh, personalities who's been talking about the Mandela effect for several years. He's also the author of a book, a uh, co-author uh, um, uh, of a book about the Mandela effect, which just came out. Mm. And then Lauren Connell Pavelka, another author, and she... Um, she also will be there talking about the Mandela effect and her personal experiences where she had some very serious congenital uh, genetic problems that her, ran in her family. And she's from a very Christian, very spiritual family. All the family are ministers pretty much. Mm -hmm. And then how she's recognized, wow, the Mandela effect is real and she's been healing herself. So that's a fabulous that's huge. opportunity. Yeah. It's huge. And then also we have an artist from Canada, Kimberly Lynn Hansen, who has done an entire exhibit, a very interactive exhibit about what the Mandela effect might be telling us. So she'll be bringing her entire um, artist exhibit. She does phenomenal works of art uh, in many media and she'll be bringing it to the conference. So it'll be an extremely special event for that reason as well. And then um, I think that's everybody. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. It's so funny because some of the things I ponder, you know, what are we to do once we understand that the Mandela effect has legs, if you will, there is something going on. What are we to do with this information? And it sounds like there'll be a lot of revelatory uh, information in that regard at this conference. So can people still get tickets, uh, uh, Cynthia? Yes, you can okay. still get tickets, MandelaEffectConference.com. Uh, ticket prices, they're currently $15 through October, and then it goes up to $20 for three days. And you'll get a free book, Lauren Connell Pavelka promised everyone gets a free copy of her book. And yeah, and it's just priceless opportunity to, to sure. get to see these panels and get to meet and talk about this world changing topic. Absolutely. Because it means like no matter what might be happening, um, you can still laugh and smile and be positive because we've got the Mandela effect. I love it. Oh, boy, we'll make sure to have a link. Absolutely. And I was hoping I could get there. I don't think we've got so much going on here. I, I don't know that I'll be able to get away. I just got back from Sedona, but I will be there in spirit for sure. And I, as I said to you offline, no doubt with all the momentum that's going on with this topic we call the Mandela Effect, this won't be the last uh, West Coast Mandela Effect conference. I, I see big things happening with that and with you, my dear. So. Oh, thank you. And likewise. <laughs> thank you. I'm clearing my throat. I'm getting all, getting all, uh, horse here so <laughs> oh as always a beautiful beautiful discussion i hope you guys enjoyed uh this this wonderful talk with cynthia sue larson and if you have you know what i'd love for you to do please share it with your your circle of friends and family those that have had mandela effects those are ex experiencing these anomalies and don't know what bucket to put it in listen to this talk share it and a comment uh by all means and let us know tell us what 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 did we put out there, Cynthia, about the blank and the lamb, right? The, the Bible yes. quote. Okay, we're not going to say what it is. You tell us what you think it is. And at some point, maybe come to my Facebook page. 
Higher Journeys Facebook page, and we'll give you what the answer is. A lot of you folks out there, you know what we're talking about, because my journeyers are really, they're really read up on this stuff. But they're comment yes. nonetheless, and then we will uh, we'll set the record straight and, and see what it's saying right now in that Bible with that phrase. Awesome. Oh, listen, everyone, go to realityshifters.com, realityshifters.com. Always great stuff. There are tons of content, including the article that I, I quoted uh, from Cynthia so much. And uh, carry on, my dear. You're doing some great things. And um, what do we say? What's your favorite phrase? How good can it get? How good can <laughs> it get? I say real good. So I hope it's good for, continues to be good for you continues to be great for the journeyers out there and as always i thank you for joining me for this episode of higher journeys we'll talk to you soon take care